five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to Engage 3.0. I am your host, Brother Edie, and joining me for this broadcast is my co-host, Brother Colin. So today we are going into our topic, Mark of Apostasy, as we are still in the series, The Sabbath. If you want to go back into our past broadcast, please, you can check out our uh, channel on YouTube, and we're going to leave all the information for that on the other end of this broadcast today. So before we go any further, I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, Brother Carlin, who's going to introduce himself and lead us into a word of prayer. Brother Carlin. So good to be here tonight and to share with you the mark of apostasy. Um, one of the challenges is understanding the Bible and what does it teach. Today we hope to clarify some of those misunderstandings. I hope that you get a better understanding of the Word of God. But just before we start, let us bow our heads in prayer. Stanley, Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for your Word that builds up our heart to look heavenward. But as we study tonight, we ask that your Spirit be with us to give us strength and to give us guidance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mark of Apostasy. The final struggle in the controversy between Christ and Satan is fast approaching. The Bible says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Revelation 12, 12. Let us go into our question and answer period for this topic. Question number one. What is the devil's attitude towards God's people in the last generation? Let us look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. 12, verse 17, it says, And a dragon was wrought with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The dragon here represents the devil. The woman is God's church, and the remnant of the woman's seed is the latter end of the church. The remnant are identified by two characteristics. They are commandment keepers, and they have the testimony of Jesus, which is interpreted to be the spirit of prophecy. You can find that in Revelation chapter 19, 10. See, one of the things that strikes my attention is this. What is the devil's attitude towards God's people in the last generation? We, two things you highlight that is very interesting. One is that she is raw. She went to make war with the woman of, with the remnant of her seed. And the other one that she is raw. So it's right there. And then I tell you that this particular dragon or Satan was 
angry with God's people. So he would do anything to get them out of his out of this earth or out of his air or this place. So he, he wants to destroy God's people and he wants to make war of them to make sure that he gets totally rid of them. Question number two. What is God's seal, his sign, or mark of authority? Let us look at a few texts. The first, Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13. Let us read Exodus 31 verse 13. Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Really my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout all your generation, that he may know that I am the Lord that doeth sanctify you. Exodus 31 verse 13. Also, let us look at Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, and verse 20. Ezekiel 20, verse 12, and then verse 20. Ezekiel 20, verse 12, and Ezekiel 20, verse 20. It reads, Moreover, also I give them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they may know that I am the Lord that sanctified them, Exodus 20, verse 12. And hallow my Sabbath, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that he may know that I am the Lord your God, Ezekiel, chapter 20, verse 20. Um, two things that comes up right there, we know that the seal of God or the mark of his authority is what? The Sabbath. And if you look at it, it says, it's saying, for the very, saying very, my Sabbath, he shall keep. God tells you right up top, you should keep his Sabbath. For it is a sign between me and you through all your generation. So that means through all your lifetime that this Sabbath will be a sign for you and your generation. Not only does it say it says it sanctify you. He says that he may know that I am the Lord, that God, that what? Sanctify you. So it's through his Sabbath that he sanctify you. He goes on, he said that the sign between me and you in Exodus 20, he repeated that you may know what? That he is the Lord, thy God. So how do you know that God is the, that God is God? Only through by keeping his Sabbath. You know, there's a, I didn't highlight a text that I wanted to read in Exodus 20, verse 4, on our first question where the devil treats God's people. It says, uh, and I saw a, saw thrones, and this is Exodus 20, verse 4. I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast in neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And they live and they reign with Christ a thousand years. But that's not the point there. The point is, these were those, if you go further up and part B of the same 21 verse 4, it says, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we highlighted in the first question that they were raw with God's people. Now, why would he be war with God's people? And what is the what will be the thing that identifies that God that these are God's people? If you go back to what the next question that you ask is this sign and this authority. And this sign and authority identify who God's people are. And it says it is what those who what keep his Sabbath, because why? It is a sign between God and his people. And it even goes further on and says that in the end part of Ezekiel 20, verse 20, it says that he may know that I am the Lord your God. So two things you have to understand here. One, the one thing to the Sabbath is what? The seal of God, and it's a mark of his authority. Not only that, 
it is God's stop that he puts on his people to let everybody know that he is their God. Now, how do this, how do people know that um, God's people, uh, the children of man is God's people, is his? One, keeping their Sabbath by what? Worshiping on the Sabbath day. So when you close God's church on the Sabbath, guess what? No one knows that God's people are present or God is present. So by going to church on the Sabbath and worshiping the Lord on a true day of worship, this is how you identify who God's people really are. And this is the seal that God stamps on them, that we sanctify them through his word by keeping his Sabbath, that he reveals himself to the Sabbath. Um, one of the things uh, I think that we have to look at is why is it a sign or a seal between God and the people? Uh, I'm going to take, I, I want the audience to look at this. I'm going to share my screen here. I want us to take a look at John chapter eight. And I want us to see what Jesus says as he spoke with the children of Israel in this regard. So we can understand it. Uh, John chapter eight. And I want us to look at verses 33 to 36. Okay. And this is what Jesus says here, right? Let's put this a little higher. Okay, great. And it says, and they answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? So notice the conversation is between those who are free and those who are in bondage on slavery. Watch Jesus' words very carefully, verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abided ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So notice now, in that dialogue between the children of Israel, right? The children of Israel, Abraham's seed, so they claim. And Jesus, there was conversation on what is a servant and who was in bondage. And notice Jesus said, those who commit sin are in bondage to sin or a servant to sin. There's a reason why I'm highlighting this as it relates to the sign, mark, or seal, and how it relates to God and his people. Jesus says, who the Son set free is free indeed. If you go back into when Jesus was coming to the Jordan River, right? John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. So notice Jesus equates those who in sin to bondage. But those who he set free will be free from bondage. We have to ask ourselves a question. What is sin? The Bible says sin is the transgression of the law. So those who Jesus said 
were committing sin were those who were breaking God's law. In, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, think not that I come to destroy the law of the prophets. He said, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I also want us to take a look at Romans chapter 20. I'm going to share my screen again. Romans chapter 20. And we're going to find what Paul says on this point. That's Romans chapter 6. And we want you to follow with your Bible. But for those who may be viewing this and do not have their Bibles readily available, um, I'm going to put it on the screen here. Okay, so here's what Paul says. He says, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. So just what Jesus said, Paul comes back and piggyback on what Jesus said. Watch what he said in verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Remember Jesus had this conversation with them in John chapter 8? But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. 16 says, no, ye not. That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience to right, unto righteousness. So notice now, it's coming full circle. The reason why those whom keep the Sabbath, and not only the Sabbath, but all the commandments, are sealed by God, is because they obey the law of God. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. It's a, it's a perfect symmetry. Those who are in bondage are those who commit sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. And so, even though uh, why the Sabbath will be highlighted is because we, if you go back into our last broadcast, please go back and watch that because we are building, like building blocks. We mentioned that nine out of 10 commandments, just about all religions believe nine out of 10 commandments, most of them. But the fourth commandment, the fourth commandment is the one that most of them have an issue with. Let us look at question number three. How does the Bible foretell the great counterfeit of Christianity that was to arise? This is foretold in prophecy by the use of many names. It is spoken of as Antichrist. You could find references of that in 1 John 4, 3, that man of sin, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, the falling away, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, son of perdition, also found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the mystery of iniquity, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. He who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worship, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. And mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of Europe. Revelation 17, verse 5. Any point you want to highlight in that? There's so much things come out of that, Brother Edie. And if you, as you was reading, I was thinking to myself, 
one of the things that highlight and one of the things that come to my mind is that this is for tool and prophecy. And we must always know that God wants his people or what the anti-type or the antichrist will do. One of the things it says, this man is anti. Anti means that he's one that is against Christ. And if you go and you, every text that you read just now gives you that picture that, picture that this Satan or the devil is against Christ. One, the Antichrist, first John 4 and verse 3. You go and test second testament two and three, the man of sin. The man that, and you know, sin is like one who rebel against God. That one who says in second Timothy 2, verse 3 again, it says he's fallen away. Someone who has dropped away from God. Second Thessalonians verse 3 and two and three again, the son of perdition goes on again, and that's going to second Thessalonians verse 2 and 7. He said, a man of mystery of iniquity goes on and said, one who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. This is this is all the characteristics of him that who wants to be worshipped. Then he goes on and said, one who is the mystery, the Bible, and the great, the mother of Harlot and abomination upon the earth. And as I was reading, I said, wow, these are all the characteristics of this man of sin. But one thing else you want to highlight about this man of sin that we... Um, that we need to highlight and you can go. I want to share something. I'm going to try this sharing for the first time. <laughs> and I want to share something with you. I want to highlight something very important. It says here, if you look in Romans chapter six, verse 17, it says here, for I beseech you brethren, mark them, which cause division and offense contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. In other words, these are those who oppose everything that deals with God. These are men who are against everything that God stands for. So when you see that type of spirit, we really, right then and there you know that these are people that, that this characteristic is one that counterfeit, one that rebels, one that opposes everything that is godly, everything that to do with Jesus Christ. So when we know who they are and who we need to avoid, um, we want to go through these ideas. When we present these texts to you and when we show you who the man of sin is and what he's up to, we're trying to get you to understand anyone, not just the devil, anyone that the devil can control and that person who are allowing to are against God is one of those people who are allowing Satan to be rebellious or one who to find a way to, to allow iniquity to dwell within their heart. And Satan uses this to what? To rebel and to put his mark or to put his counterfeit seal on a man's heart. I also, I also want us to look at the word antichrist again, because not only can it mean someone who is against um, the doctrine of Jesus or against Christ himself. But I want us to see it. Let us look at 1 John chapter 4. And I want you, and please, um, folks, we need you to go and investigate these things for yourselves. Um, you know, we live in a day and age where you know, everything has to be a quick fix and no one wants to take the time out to investigate anything anymore. And we just believe anything we hear and see. 
And we, the Bible teaches that um, out of two or three witnesses, let something be established. Okay, and so that's why uh, we want you to go and search these things out for yourself. Okay, now you see verse four, I highlighted it. Uh, sorry, verse three, I highlighted it. And it says, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. So notice, you know, we have some doctrines out there that persons are teaching futurism that the Antichrist will come in the future and wreak havoc on the Jews and try to um, witness to the world again. You know, in that time frame, people would be out there witnessing once these things happen or the Antichrist was epiphanies, which, which it, it could not have been because um, everything that that prophecy had to deal with um, based in Daniel chapter um, nine, um, you will find that it involves a destruction of a temple. And in the history of um, Epiphanes, he raided the temple, but he didn't destroy it. So um, you, people would pin him as the Antichrist in the past. But notice Paul says that it's even now already in the world. So this isn't something that's going to happen in the future. This is something that was happening in Paul's day. But here's why um, we're going to identify that. When you look at the word Antichrist, and I want us to look now at the, this is, uh, we shared with you before the meanings. Uh, if you have a concordance, this Bible gives me a concordance that I can see the Greek uh, and the Hebrew meaning. Now we wanna look at the word antichrist and you have G500, G500. I don't know if you, how well you can see it. I try to magnify this as much as possible, but, do your homework. It says Antichristos. Now that makes up two words, all right? You have, uh, can I just go back to it again? All right. Okay, so you have G, behave yourself. You have G, you have two words here that come together and make one. You have G473 and G5547. Now, here's what the G473 means. It means anti, over, against, opposite, two before. But it also has another meaning. For instead of, in place of something, instead of or in contrast to substitution. And there's a reason why that's important. The Antichrist is going to be someone that's going to be substituted for the, for the genuine. It's not going to be someone who's just going to outright oppose as like an opponent, you know, like, you know, Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali, but it's going to be someone that's going to be within, that's going to be like one of Christ's disciples or 
one of Christ, of the faith, but it's going to substitute the things that Christ had said or the things that he believes. And it's going to do it subtly. Because if someone is going to be outright an opponent, it's going to be easy for them to identify. But notice what Paul says here. He says, I'm going to put it back to the original um, KGV, which I used. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. So notice that Paul is warning those that were within that this is going to be something that's going to come from within. We saw Judas. Judas is known also as son of perdition. The man of sin also have, or the Antichrist shares the exact same title. So it tells us that this entity is going to come and be as one on the inside, but it's going to do things, substitute things, say things that's going to be contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ and that with the disciples forgiven. So let us look at that second meaning. So we see that um, the first one, the G473 means anti, someone who's going to not only oppose, but is going to substitute, meaning that's going to be something that's going to be done subtly. The other meaning, the G5547 means Christos, Christ, anointed one, right? The Messiah. This is going to be one that says it has its signature from heaven of an acceptance while pretending to be with Christ or to be of Christ, yet it's going to pose or substitute the teachings of Christ. And so as we go on in this series, we're going to see who fulfills or who actually is this talking about. My friends, we are being set up to be duped because there's teachings in preterism, teaching that this Antichrist had happened way long time ago. And there's teachings in futurism that pushes the Antichrist way in the future. But my friends, that Antichrist is alive today. It is a system, not an individual, but a system that is teaching things that Christ doesn't teach and do things that Christ would never do. I just want to add a little piece here, you know, and I was thinking to myself, you know, as you was talking about this angel of light and how he's going to be preparing a pair to be something else or in place or not that he's going to be a big opponent right in the front of our face. But this is, this is what 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. See, we keep forgetting that this guy is so clever that he's going to take time out to transform himself to be a saint. And we're going to go down and we're going to worship him. We're going to say, this man is so holy. This system is so holy. This is, the, this is truly the reverence. This is truly the true place of worship. And that's what we have been produced or being, that's what I want to use, being so 
put a wool over our eyes that this organization or this man have played such a humble Christian characteristic that we ourselves have to call him the Holy One or just the one who has been transformed into an angel of light. And that's what this Antichrist really means. You know, in place of, he's going to take the prerogative. He's going to take the, the characteristics, the words that God would use and take it as his own and claim it to be his. And we saw it happen to in our society today. He's going to take his church and he's going to make it to be look like God's church. And then he's going to tell the people, he's going to say, you can have the image by being doing good works. And you don't have to do it every day of the week. You just have to have a good works. And you don't really need a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Just do your good works. You see, this Satan himself means when he's going to transform himself into an angel of light, means that he's going to try to take the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to present it to you and me. You know, um, before we go to our final question for this evening, we're going to have to make this a part two because there's so much information um, to share and so little time. But um, there's a reason why Paul stated what he stated in 1 John chapter 4. And also um, looking at um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, little children, it is the last time, and ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. In verse 22, it says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. But how do we deny him? How do we deny Jesus? Well, some people say, well, I won't deny Jesus. I go to church and I do good deeds and I say all these things and do all these things. Now, remember, Jesus said there's going to be many who says, well, haven't we done good deeds and haven't we feed the, um, those who are hungry and clothe the naked and visit those who are sick and shut in? And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. For your homework, I want you to go back into John chapter 8. Because they claim, the children of Israel, they claim to be children or seed of Abraham. And Jesus said something that would rock them to the core. I'm going to share it with you. In John chapter 8, as we um, look at the spirit of Antichrist, how do we deny the Father and the Son? Because remember, um, when the disciple asked to see the father, he said, well, haven't I been with you this long time? Jesus says, no man can come unto the father except through him. So to deny Jesus is to deny the father. But I want us to see how the children of Israel were led to understand by Jesus that they thought they were children of Abraham 
when they really want. Let's look at it. From verse 19, Jesus says, um, I'm going to read their response first. Then said they unto him, where is the father? Remember that question was also asked by his disciple. And Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye shall have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whether I go, ye cannot come. He said unto them, ye are from beneath and I am from above. Ye are of this world and I am not of this world. I said, therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. As the Father had taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me, and the Father had not left me alone. For I do always those things that please, please him. As he spake those words, many believed on him. Now it gets interesting. If it wasn't interesting before, it gets heavier. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So notice... How does one become to be a disciple? He said, continue my word. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be of Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abided ever. If, Jesus said, the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but, so notice, he said, I know you're Abraham's seed, but, so when he said, but, you know, they just canceled everything he just said before. Ye seek to kill me. Now, memory serves me correct. Thou shalt not kill is a part of the Decalogue given to Moses on Mount Sinai and is commandment number six. Because my word hath no place in you. 
I speak that which I have seen of my father, and ye do that which ye have seen of your father. So notice now Jesus make a separation between they claiming that Abraham is their father. And Jesus now is telling, no, no, you have another father. Verse 39 says, then answered and they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if, conditionary, ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. Notice he didn't say, have the faith of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me. Notice he said, you seek to break commandment number six. Thou shalt not kill, which is actually rendered murder. A man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So now they're saying that God is their father. So notice Abraham, they said, was their father. And now they're saying even God is our father. Jesus said unto them, if, conditionary, God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even? Because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning. So notice Jesus said, the murderer, the devil, we know as Satan, Lucifer, was a murderer from the beginning. Which means if commandment number six, which is a part of the Decalogue, Ten Commandments, had been in existence from the beginning, before Adam and Eve and the world was created, that means the commandments had to been in the beginning. Because the devil actually broke those laws, inclusive of commandment number six that says, thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not kill. But what other commandment did he break? And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. It was the opposite of truth. Jesus is about to tell us in his next words. When he speaketh a lie, that's commandment number nine. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. He speaketh of his own. For he, the devil, is a liar and the father of it. So notice Jesus just placed their father being the devil. And why is that? Because he says the actions that you perform, your thoughts of murder to kill him was in link, lock, and step with Satan, the devil. Not only that, but he, there was no righteousness in him. None whatsoever. And you, you highlighted so clearly. I hope that they see the points. One more thing, I'll add on two more things onto that before we go on. One is Romans chapter 6, verse 21. When you have adopted the characteristics of Satan, you will understand that Romans chapter 6, 21 highlights what you are. It says, for when you were in, when you were a servant of sin, you were free from righteousness. 
Who is the righteous one? Jesus Christ. And Edie break it down in details for you. And I just put this little part under it to let you know what Edie is saying. Edie is trying to let you know when you are not in Christ, which is in righteousness, you are what? A servant of sin. Simple words. I'm going to go to one more text. And then we're going to go on to the, another one. This one here is the one that really identifies who is Christ's seed. Goes on in here, it says, or oh, Abraham's seed. It goes on in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16. And this is what it says. And this is how God deals with his people. This is what God do to his people. He says, bind up the testimonies. Where do we want to bind up the testimony? He wants to bind up the testimonies in your heart. Seal the law among what? My disciple. Do you see now where his righteousness is in? His righteousness is in what? His disciples. His testimony is where? It's in his disciples. And that's what he says. My law is among what? My disciples. And Brother we read something earlier. And I, I want to go back to that reference that we read in second, now second question, because here it says, Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. And listen what it says here. And it's um, right there, adding on to what we just read and what you just said. It says, speak thou unto also unto the children of Israel, saying, really my Sabbath ye shall what? Keep. So what they are doing, they have to bind up the testimonies. So guess what? They are, when you keep the testimonies, you're what? You're binding it up. And he said, for it is what? A sign between me and you throughout your generation that he may know that I am the Lord your God that do it sanctify you. And that goes right back, sealing it back up in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16, where it says, bind up the testimonies, seal the law among what? My disciples. When you are a child of God, you are what? You are God's disciple by what? Keeping the testimony of God, binding up the testimonies and sealing the law of God among yourself by through the word of God. You know, and it, it is so true. And this is why we do these programs. So you can have this information and go back over and see what and who is the Antichrist. It's going to be someone who's going to speak lies. It's going to be someone who's going to have the characteristics of the devil because it's going to be against the truth of Jesus. And when we deny Jesus, we deny him by not following what he says in his word. So he said in John chapter 8, the children of Israel weren't the children of Israel because they, you know, had the bloodline. But it's because they did not do what the word of God says. They didn't accept Jesus, who was sent from God. And so that's important, my friends. This is how we can be children of God when we obey him. And children of the enemy when we obey him. Let's look at the last question for the night. Question number four. Through whom was it predicted the devil would work to bring disloyalty to God and his law? Let's look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. It reads, And he shall speak great words among, against the Most High, and shall wear out the sing of the Most High, and Take to change times and laws, and they shall be given unto his hand until a time and times and a dividing of times. 
in the prophecies of Daniel, there is predicted the rise of four world empires. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Rome was finally divided into 10 kingdoms. Finally, another kingdom arose in the midst of the 10 by doing away with three kingdoms. You can see Daniel chapter seven, verse 24. You know, there's a lot here to unpack. And we have in our old program called Engage 2.0, we're gonna leave a link for you to see that, um, a series number five that's called The Sure Word of Prophecy. Please see that series, it is awesome, okay? A lot of time and historical references has gone into that. So we were not gonna cover that in this particular study. But suffice to say, episode three will deal with um, who is the Antichrist? That's two parts. So you wanna check that out, we'll leave a link, like I said, in the description. So you could go and view that. But we're gonna wrap it up here and we're gonna um, have a part two to this um, topic. So uh, Brother Colin, um, before we close up, do you have any um, final comments? I just wanna leave this on your mind. As we study today and as we share with you, we want you to take the time out to study the word of God for yourself. One of the things that this lesson highlight that we didn't dive, dive into is the fact that we need to have a relationship with God. It is when you have that relationship with God, and that's why the Sabbath is so important. The Sabbath is just not about keeping the commandments or keeping the laws of God, but it's also about the relationship part of it. That is why he has set the Sabbath aside for you and him. Remember that it's a sign between me and you, the children of God, between you and your God. The reason why is that because he wants to have a relationship. And when you have that relationship with God, it's more meaningful, you're more easy to keep the commandments of God and his laws. Because what? It becomes what? A part of you. You know, and one of the things that God says, and, and, and if you don't believe it, this is the intimate word that God says to, to us. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, he said, For this is the covenant that I will make with the host of Israel after those days. He said to the Lord, I will put my law into their what? Mind and write them in their heart. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. The relationship aspect of it. See, that is so much more important because when you have a relationship with someone or something, you want to be more willing to do what is right by that individual or by that person. And this is what God is saying. Not only is he going so far in depth, he's going to write it in your mind. That means you are going to constantly be thinking about his word and, his, and what his word says. So he's going to write it in your heart because you're going to fall in love with the word of God and it's going to bring you closer to him by falling in love with his word. Okay, so we're going to ask now God Carlin and you can also close this out with a word of prayer. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for the blessings. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for what the word of God is doing in our life. We thank you for keeping us, even though we are weak human beings. We're not perfect, but we ask the one who is perfect 
to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness, to make us as He will have us to be, that we can be a servant for Him. And as we have shared these words to God, it's not our words, it's not our thoughts, but it's the word of our Lord and our Savior, who's reaching out to someone out there who would like to hear what God can do for them in their life. We ask God to be with this individual that is listening and touch his heart that he might see the need to be with you, the only one who can rescue him from sin. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you for tuning in to our broadcast today. We so appreciate spending this time with you. But please, we encourage you to study these things for yourself. A workman, not being ashamed, rightly dividing God's word of truth. For this episode, we're going to wrap it up for myself, Brother Edie, and for my co-host, Brother Colin. We say until next time, God's willing, join us for another invigorating episode here on Engage 3.0. Until next time, Maranatha.